0: Starting off, biggest thing in my life coming up, 11 days from now, I'm getting married. I don't know where my fiance is. Oh, there she is. Yeah. Hannah's back there. Yeah, go Hannah. 11 days, yeah, 11 days from now, actually it's like 10 days and 21 hours or 22 hours we'll actually be married, technically. So looking forward to that. Here's the thing, I just want to, I'm forcing this illustration just because I want to talk about how I'm getting married because I'm very excited, but Hannah and I, this is legit, we actually do have this kind of nice restaurant, it's kind of like a special date restaurant, uh, we went there for... uh kind of like the minor anniversaries, Uh, it's called John's Grill. It's in Mukilteo. It's really nice, really, really pretty. Oh, some of you know it. It's really pretty. If you don't know, Mukilteo, city on the water. This is kind of up on the hill. It's not like on the water, but it's a nice quiet spot. Like 20 people fit in there. It's not crazy expensive, but it is pretty nice. It's pretty expensive. It's a special date night spot. When we go to John's Grill, what we love about it is that it's just really good service. We were literally talking about this like yesterday. So it's really good service because it's small. It it feels very family. They're very kind to you. And it better be good service because it costs a lot of money. Uh, I'm paying for good service. The food, oof. I love a good steak. They have great steak. It's awesome food. They have, Hannah loves roasted asparagus. They have great roasted asparagus. Not asparagus, sorry, uh, Brussels sprouts. I don't know why I said asparagus. Brussels sprouts, that's a slip. I don't even like asparagus. Uh, It's great. But again, the thing is, we're paying for it. I'm putting out a lot of money, we're putting out our time, we have to make a reservation, it's a great place, we like it, and we expect to get something good for it, right? Put good out, get good in, right? That type of thing. The story of Job blatantly flies in the face of that. Tonight we're going to talk about how Job is a wealthy man. Job is a righteous man. Job is paying his dues and he has the riches, right? He's kind of getting it, he's got it all. When we meet him, As we walk through this, what we're going to see is we're going to see a very righteous, a very rich, and a very good man. And the turn of this story, spoiler alert, if you know anything about Job, the one thing you know, it is that title of this series, Life and Suffering. His life is suffering for the entirety of this story. It's actually really kind of depressing as we read it, just going to be frank. Right, so we're meeting Job now. We're going to see the setup of this story, the setup of why he's suffering, what is happening behind the scenes. It's gonna raise all kinds of questions, right? Then in the coming weeks, because I'm just gonna give you kind of a rundown of where we're going in this. We're in this study only for eight weeks total. So we're flying through it. There's 42 chapters in Job. We're not doing like four or five chapters a week. We're kind of skipping around a little bit and hitting highlights. But we meet Job this week. We're going to hear Job's cry, just Job's lament, his response to what happens. Then we're going to hear from his friends. And boy, his friends are awful friends. Basically, the title. I believe, I think it says, it. oh, it just says Job's three friends in the CSB. In the NIV Bible, it says Job's friends come to comfort him. Spoiler, their comfort for Job is, Job, you must be a really awful person for this all to happen. You should really change your life because, dude, you're messing up. Such comfort from friends. I love to have friends like that. So we're going to hear from Job's friends. We're going to spend a week on each of them. Uh, There's actually a fourth friend who's actually a good guy, but I'm not going to spoil that. Uh, We'll get to him. And then the conclusion, the great ending of this story is this big dialogue, this big back and forth between Job and God. And they just kind of go at it. Job kind of lays it all out to God and says, hey, why was all this happening? And God puts Job in his place and it's epic. It is some of just the most epic verses that you will read in the Bible of God laying out just how big and grand he is. And that's where we're going. That's what we're going to experience in eight weeks. And it's going to be like whiplash, and it's going to be flying through it. But I wanted to give you a moment just to see the big picture, because where we start now, which is of the utmost importance, verse 1, Job 1, verse 1, it lays out this grand entrance for Job. And we have to remember it in light of, again, it's only eight weeks, but in light of all these chapters and arguments and stories we're going to read, it starts here that there was a man in the country of Uz named Job. He was a man of complete integrity who feared God and turned away from evil. It's so important that we remember that, that he was a man of complete integrity, he feared God and turned away from evil, because in the coming weeks, we're basically going to hear arguments over and over again about how Job is an awful man and so evil, because that's why all this is happening. But it's important for our high school, you know this from Curtis, context, it's so important that we know that because those arguments are false before they were even made, because the, the narrator, we don't actually know who the author of Job is um, from a Bible study standpoint. We, we don't know who this actually is. That doesn't raise any question if this is trustworthy or not. It's just we don't know who wrote it. But whoever the author was, he's starting with Job is good. Also, a quick shout out if you're doing the Bible reading plan, hold on, just because I saw this up here. If you're doing the God story reading plan, if you want instructions right here, shameless plug, uh, Uz came up today. us is a guy. It's like literally like part of a sentence, but Uz is a guy. Quick connection. You know, the land of Uz, if we're reading through Genesis, I think it's Genesis 10. Am I right about that? I can't remember off the top of my head. But I think wherever the reference is, if it's Genesis 10, there's a quick mention. It says this guy's name is Uz, and he's the son of this guy. We can now see that in this story. Job is from that land. Anyway, back to this. Remember this every single week. Remember this. And it's easy to remember because it's the first verse. Job is righteous. Job has integrity. Job is godly. Now we're going to find out just how rich Job was. Verses 2 and 3 says, Job, he had seven sons and three daughters. It's a lot of kids. His estate included 7,000 sheep and goats, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, which actually means 1,000 oxen because a yoke is two oxen. 500 female donkeys and a very large number of servants. Job was the greatest man man, among all the people of the East. In short, Job is not middle class. Job is not upper middle class. Job is like the 0.1% of the wealth. This dude is like rich, rich he's loaded. He's got everything. The whole point of this laying out, I I can't even picture what 3,000 camels look like. I don't know. Are there there actually 3,000 camels in the world anymore? I honestly don't know. It just, I think a camel, I'm like, there's like five camels in Egypt. I don't know. Uh, Job has so many animals, so much livestock. It's so bountiful that it's just comical. The number of animals that he has is insane, clearly this dude is rich, rich. It also goes on after this. It talks about how, in such great wealth job 's kids, his ten kids, particularly the seven sons, they 'd throw these big parties every birthday, every celebration they 'd throw these big parties they 'd have their sisters over, all, all the family would gather they 'd celebrate they 'd feast, and then, at the end of it, again, just to reiterate how holy job is, how righteous Job is. They'd have this huge banquet, again, on Job's dime. And then at the end, whenever a round of banqueting was over, Job would send for his children and purify them, rising early in the morning to offer burnt offerings for all of them. For Job thought, perhaps my children have sinned, having cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. Okay, I would understand this. This is the time of sacrifices. We don't, we don't do this in this way anymore. Sacrifices, it was burnt offerings. Uh, it would be, this idea is like a total burnt offering, which is what Job is saying by perhaps my children have sinned. Sometimes in the Old Testament when we read this and we understand it, there's sacrifices for specific sins. I have specifically sinned this way, so I need to sacrifice. This is more a, a total one, which is like a, I'm, I'm just in case, you know. I probably have sinned. It's probably true. You might, I'm, at this moment, I might not be able to, Think of a very specific sin that I have done today. I probably have. I've probably been selfish at some point. I've probably been mean to someone, rude, cut someone off driving to work. I don't know. But this would be a, I'm just in case, I'm just going to offer this to be safe. Job, to me, is like that friend that is like such a goody two-shoes, it kind of makes you mad, right? Like, we are getting set up for this guy being so obedient. He's so rich, so obedient, so perfect. It's like unbelievable. Uh, Again, if I was his friend, maybe that's why his friends are so bitter to him. I'd be like, come on, man, are you for real? Like, this is your regular practice that you just, just in case, I'm going to give this up. Really? But that's who he is. That's who we're being told who Job is, that he is just this awesome and this good. And that sets the stage then for this big spiritual cosmic conversation that I'm not even going to pretend I fully understand what's happening here. I I don't. Uh, Let's just be honest. If you studied this on Sunday, you might have had questions about it. I don't quite understand what's happening. But I'm going to try to tell the story that Satan is coming to God. There's a gathering of angels and God, and Satan's there. And it's like, is he really, it seems like he's not invited to this thing, but he shows up anyway, um, which is kind of rude, you know? Like, if you're not invited to my wedding, you show up anyway. It's kind of rude. But uh, just a warning for any of you that plan to crash kind of rude. Uh, I'm not telling you. Uh, <laughs> so there's this, this heavenly cosmic meeting, right? And they gather, and at this, Satan basically raises the challenge to God of the reason why Job is so holy is because you give him everything, right? In, in verse 8, the Lord says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. And again, his counterpoint, well, of of course he's holy. You made him filthy, stinking rich with a beautiful family. You gave him everything he could possibly want. Of course he's going to honor you. Which, if I'm being honest, it's a pretty decent argument, right? Pretty good argument. Uh, in an embarrassing side of my story growing up, uh, my mom had a, had a really good friend uh, from my old school, from my elementary school, my old school, everything's my old school now, but <laughs> my elementary school, she had a really good friend, and her son was a, a year younger than me, so we would hang out all the time, and we had been hanging out, on like two or three years, we were pretty good friends, and one day, uh, I can say his name, he's like totally disconnected, his name's Alam. Uh, Alm's a really nice guy, uh, still friends to this day, but he, he came to me, and he was kind of sad, because he was like, Austin, I don't think you really treat me that well as a friend. Uh, I think that you like some of your other friends more than me. And I said, "Alm, that's not true. You have an Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not the right thing to say and horrible, so selfish, he cried because I was so mean. That was awful. I, I feel so bad. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ultimately, ultimately, that's not the real reason why I was friends with him. Just in my head, I thought, well, yeah, but you have like nice things, and it's really fun to, to hang out with you, and we get to play. I didn't have an Xbox. I had a Wii. So I'm like, well, you know. Actually, I don't think I had a Wii yet. I think I had a GameCube still. I don't know if Wii was out. But uh, but anyway, the point being, <laughs> Satan's kind of making the same argument that I wrongfully kind of used. Uh, he's saying, you have nice things, so of course he's nice to you. Now, we're going to find that's not true. And in the same way with my friend, that was not ultimately true. It was just a really dumb thing that I said. But... But Satan makes his deal with God that says, you know what, God? Because I think Job is only holy. He only loves you because you give him everything. It's like, let me take it all from him. Rip it all away, and he's going to turn around. He's going to curse you. you he's, He's betting Job will go to God and say, I'm done with you. You were not good to me. I was good to you. What are you doing? And so, Satan makes this little deal with God. He actually makes two series of deals. But in the first one that happens, uh, it's, again, almost like a comedy or a tragedy. If you know anything about movies, a comedy and a tragedy are like side by side. They're actually very similar. Uh, What happens is four series of servants come to Job. After God agrees to this deal, uh, we find out that Job's first, his donkeys and oxen are taken away by essentially a raiding party, and all the servants are killed. And the servant that comes to Job says, I was the only one to escape, and I only escaped so I could tell you this. And then the way that the author writes it is the next servant shows up before he's even done speaking, and he says, fire rained down from heaven and burned up all of your sheep and servants, which is insane. And before that's even done, then another servant comes and says, your camels and your servants were attacked by another raiding party. And they took all your camels, they killed us, killed us all, and I'm the only one that got away. And finally, in a way, these are kind of all stacking on each other. It's just getting worse and worse and worse because everything is bad, and there's more and more bad. But by far, the worst one is your kids were all together. They were in this house. These winds came. They, it says the winds hit the house, essentially. So we're, we're meant to believe the house came down on them, and they all died along with the servants they were in. So now all your livestock are gone. All your sheep are gone, all your camels are gone, and your kids are dead. And that's what we're left with. And then, Job does not curse God, and so Satan actually goes back again, because his first deal, God said, you know what, you can take his things, but you can't touch Job. Because Job didn't curse God, and we're going to get to that about what he actually did say. Because he wouldn't curse God, the response then from Satan is, well, he has his health. So then Job gets stricken with sickness and sores, and he's suffering even more. Like I said, the story gets pretty depressing pretty fast. And we sit there for several weeks now as we argue about, as his friends argue about why this is all happening to him. But Job's response, is anything we can take away from this? It is Job's response to understand this holy and righteous man. And I think it's safe to say as we study him and learn He gets frustrated. He gets angry. We're not meant to believe Job is literally like Jesus and perfect and can't sin. But he does not curse God. His response, two times. Because the two different times he's cursed and struck down. At the end of chapter 1 and then at the end, uh, or not at the end, but in chapter 2, it says, Throughout all this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. It also says, again, throughout all this Job did not sin in what he said. What did Job say the first time? That God gives, God takes away. May his name be blessed and praised. The second time, should we accept only good from God and not adversity? To reiterate, this is after all of his wealth is taken away, his servants are killed, And his children are killed. And Job's response is, God gives and takes away. Bless his name. Why do I accept only the good from God and not the adversity? It is very fair and human right now to understand that would not be my response and I'm willing to bet it's not yours. It would not be. If this happened to you, if you were living the high life and everything great was happening, you have this great relationship with God. God. You're following him. You're doing good. And all of a sudden, in the middle of your obedience, everything is ripped away. It is understandable. Not saying this is our right response, but it is understandable for me as a human to empathize with you in that you would be angry. You would be frustrated, you'd be confused, you'd be hurt, you'd be broken. Whatever the emotion would be, I get it. I'm there too. But Job is this remarkable of a man. This is why he's lifted up in this story. That's why this is recorded for us. That's why later, if you want to see in the New Testament, flip to James 5. It says that Job actually is is the perfect example of perseverance through suffering. But it's not my response. (laughs) It's not how I think. I don't think, should I only accept the good from God and not adversity? I would go, uh, yeah, I like the good a lot more. A lot more fun. Feels great. Adversity doesn't feel that good. Also, adversity seems like a soft word, uh, considering what had just happened to him. It, this is awful. <laughs> His life is ruined at this point. I'm going to leave you on a frustrating note, because we don't get the conclusion This is begging the question, why does God let bad things happen to good people? It begs the question. It is the biggest question of this book, of this story. Why does God let bad things happen to good people? Spoiler, we're not given a clear answer. That's so frustrating for me, by the way. I've read Job, I've studied Job. That is frustrating. It is the perfect story of a bad thing after bad thing happening to a great guy, and yet we're never told exactly why. But my challenge to you, because I'm not going to answer this for you, I want you to find this as we keep studying it. My challenge is simply wait and see, because when we get to the end and there's this dialogue between Job and God, I said, these are some of the most epic verses in Scripture God explains so much of who he is, how big he is, how grand he is, that actually this question of why do, good things, or why do bad things happen to good people, that's actually not the most important question. It, it's screaming in our minds right now. It's okay. But when we get to the end, I hope it fades, because I hope it fades in light of, and I think this might be where Job is coming from, it fades in light of, the greatness and the grandness that is our God who loves us, who has gifted us with that which is good in our lives right now. It should fade in light of that. Again, I'm sorry. I don't have a great bow to tie this with. I I can't tie this all up, make it look nice and neat. We're left with a really sad part of this story but keep coming back to it because we're gonna find out more. This is a challenging book. This is an exciting book to study. I'm so excited. I'm also glad we're doing this in eight weeks because I'll be honest, I probably couldn't do a chapter a week and do 42 weeks of it. It's just too sad. But I'm excited for the next seven weeks